It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah, yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSIN. Get up there, VSIN.com. Nigel Seeley, best bets for Croatia, Japan, and everything he likes in the World Cup. Adam Kramer, early college football playoff preview, and Josh Applebaum on the Monday night game. What's new? Always at VSIN.com. There he comes. Nigel Seeley at Seeley underscore Nigel on Twitter, on every day with us during the World Cup, and a uh, good video you sent in, too. How, how was the experience of your first World Cup match with England there, and, and how did you enjoy it yesterday? Well, I went, I've been to a World Cup game before with England, the American game. It's my first World Cup tournament, so uh, I, I, this is my, was my second game. It's the first time I've seen England score a goal at the World Cup. It was a strange feeling, really. I mean, it's a very, very strange World Cup here. The atmosphere is not... It's electric. Um, from other nations, you know, if you meet the Argentinians, I think if you meet the, the Brazilians, if you meet the Mexicans, the Japanese, mm-hmm. I mean, they are experiencing the World Cup. I honestly think the Brits and the English really miss the beer. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I really do. I really do. I feel that it's like taking a bit of an edge out of the uh, of the atmosphere. It's sort of sedated. Um, you know, it's not it's not so crazy. But now we're coming into the real, real tournament now the tournament really gets exciting i mean every game is like an actual final and i and i feel that it's going to be a very different feeling i think last night the senegal game i think england really weathered the storm in the first 15 20 minutes senegal should have perhaps gone one nil up two great saves from england goalkeeper pickford but um mm-hmm. i think sort of an aura an air of an air of inevitability around the stadium that england would actually win that game and I don't think anyone was really too worried. I know it sounds crazy, but it, that's the sort of feeling that I had. And I said, that was how I felt during the game. When we play France on Saturday, then that is going to be very different. I mean, that's when I feel that the game will be electric. I'm very fortunate to have tickets for that game. So I'll be at the game on Saturday. I'm off to the Brazil game tonight. I'm going to see Brazil tonight. You know, the Brazil, Brazil. So that'd be fantastic. But uh, yeah, so I think it's yeah. going to change. But Real strange thing around the town in those England games in particular. We were uh, discussing this during the break, and Mitch was surprised. The exact uh, forecast of France over Brazil is 12-1. to 1. What do you think happens now uh, if you could go who you, who you think is going to meet in the championship? Well, I think that bottom half, uh, England will play France. You're looking at probably Spain against Portugal, and the winner plays each other. I think that England will be the dog against Spain. I think they'll be a small favour against Portugal. France will be the favourites against all three of those nations. I think what we've seen from the tournament so far, I think the best team in the tournament, the French. Yeah. Um, I think they've got the best player in the tournament, Mbappe. I think they look hungry and they're, and they're proven. I mean, when you get to the knockout stages of the World Cup last eight, the fact that they're defending champions is a great thing for them. But it's, it's also a hindrance because you've got to go back a very, very long time to see the last team that ever, ever successfully defended a World Cup. I think we've got to go back to 1962, um, the last time they ever done that. So history is against them. Um, 
I believe that whoever wins the England-France game will be in the final. That That's how important I, I think this game is. Mm. I'm very nervous about the French, and I'm, but I'm only nervous about one player. I'm nervous about Mbappe. I'm not really concerned about anybody else. I mean, I don't think there's many other players in that French side who would get in the England team. I don't, I don't think there's anybody... I don't think Giroud will get in it. I think perhaps uh, Varane, the defender, maybe maybe three or four. I think if you took a, the best 11 from both sides, I think England would probably have the better players. But they have the best player in the world at the moment in Mbappe, uh, the guy who's going to take over. And um, I think England have got to contain him. If they can contain him, then I think England, England are the better team. They're definitely the better squad. England are definitely the better squad. Their bench is stronger. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm an Englishman. I've always been negative about English, mm. um, the, the approach they play. But I don't think they'll have anything to fear. And I think England going in as the dogs makes them play better. Uh, they're a better dog side than they are uh, uh, when they're heavy favourites. So I think whoever wins that game will go through. And then in the top half of the draw, I think we're destined for the game of the tournament in the semi-finals. I think that Argentina will meet Brazil. I believe that the Argentinian game against the Netherlands will be a tough game, but mm-hmm. I expect Argentina to fail. And I think we could have a match-up between Argentina and, and possibly France. If you ask me now to wager on it, I'd say Argentina-France in the final. And I think it will be the two greatest players in the world, in my opinion. The, the greatest player in, in Messi. I, th- I still believe Messi is the greatest player in the world against the young pretender Mbappe. And I think it will be a huge spectacle. But obviously, I want England to do well. I'm, I'm always a I've, I've always been a fade of, of Brazil in this tournament, and there's nothing that as I've seen in this tournament that suggests that Brazil should be the odds that they are. I think if France played Brazil in the World Cup final, I would be a pick and match. Yeah. So I don't understand why France, yes. uh, Brazil is every favourites to win the tournament and France aren't. So um, yeah, I would go for Argentina against France, but obviously. I love it to be England against Argentina, England against Brazil in the final. Interesting. Yeah. So you'd have Argentina over Brazil if they actually meet, getting ahead of ourselves here. So then, what do you think of the match today? Brazil's defense has been so good. Uh, do you like them today, Nigel? Uh, betting purposes here to win to nil. Yeah, I think I think you, you look at the uh, you look at the the teams the teams that when they've lost. I mean, Brazil lost to Cameroon, Portugal have lost to South Korea, France have lost to Tunisia. But they've all lost when they've got nothing to play for, when they've they've won the group and they put out their squad players. And that's why I think England are bet, a, a better squad because England's squad, England's second 11, if there, was a, if there was a World Cup of second 11s, England would be the favourites. That's how good England's squad are. Um, but other player in their first 11 is, is stronger. But I think it, I think the French will... Uh, I think Brazil tonight will win to nil. I, think the, I don't think we're going to see a huge... Nothing changes from the Brazil. I think they've got the best goalkeeper. I think they have the best defence. They're minus 350, minus 330, something like that to win the game. But they're minus 110 to win to nil over here. Okay. I think that's a good problem. I think that's a good odds. I don't... They played in a friendly uh, in Seoul this year already. And Brazil won 5-1. Um, that was on... Uh, in South Korea's home turf. Ricardoson scored, Neymar scored. There is talk that Neymar will feature tonight whether he comes on as a substitute. Whether he um, whether he plays from the start might be a little bit too risky, but I would expect Brazil to win. And I think if you're looking for a little bit of juice in your price, I, I think they'll cover the handicap as well. I think they'll win by two or more goals. Uh, but I think what Brazil will do, would like to have the luxury of winning 2-0 and then rest everybody and just take the foot off the gas slightly because they're building up to this semi-final showdown against the Argentinians, okay. which will be a spectacular event. Follow the money, Paulie and Mitch Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Nigel Seeley live from Cutter at Seeley underscore Nigel on Twitter. Uh, how about the uh, how about the first match here coming up with uh, Croatia and Japan? I think this is a very difficult game to to break down. Actually, I think the Japanese, I think they're the t- take one of the takeout teams of the tournament. I think you know they they they've beaten Germany in the first game, and they beaten they beat Spain in in game three. What they do do is they, they give away huge amount of possession stats. I mean, I, th- I think the Spanish had something like 80% of possession against them and they still they still won the game. Germany should have been 3 or 4 nil up. But what they do have is they have a heart and they run. They, they run, they've got engines, they're fit. They're very, very, very um, tactical. They know exactly the, the approach to play. They're hard to break down. And they will run it their socks off, and they'll, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna give up, and they're gonna keep going for hundred minutes with these extra times we, we, we're seeing here. Croatia are probably one of the oldest teams in the World Cup. They are, um, they're, they're aging. 
they're going to have a lot of possession. It's whether they can they can convert what they're going to have, the chance that they have. Um, I have a feeling this quite could be a long one. We haven't had an extra time or a penalty showdown yet in the World Cup in the last 16 knockout stages. We've only had four games, admittedly. But I feel this is quite, this could be the one that could be really nervy, really edgy. Two very different contrasting styles. Um, I'd be looking at the unders. I'd be looking at a draw. Um, and I'd be looking for this one to go a long way. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I think Japan will, won't fear the Croats at all because they've beaten Germany, they've beaten Spain, they've been the Spanish opposition. The only thing I would say about Croatia is that they played really well in one game, and that was against Canada. Uh-huh. And Canada, Canada got the early goal, and then Canada went for the second and went and pressed them because they needed to win, and it opened the game up, and it allowed Croatia to play. In the other two games where teams have been much more defensively against Croatia, against Morocco and Belgium, they haven't been able to break them down. Both those games ended in nil-nil draws. I wouldn't be surprised to see this being a very low-scoring game. Uh, both two sides count, you know, that both of them, you know, didn't expect to be on the verge of a World Cup quarterfinal. None of them would have expected to play each other. And it's a huge opportunity for both nations to progress to the last eight of a World Cup. And I think it could be a nervy game. So I, I, I'm going to go under two and a half goals. I like the draw, and uh, I think we may have our first extra time match of the World Cup in this game. All right, just two minutes left. How disappointed were you with USA against Netherlands? I wasn't disappointed with them. I thought they, they again, they, they created a lot of chances, and they just showed a little bit of rawness in front of goal. I mean, I mean, what, what when you when you when they come when they fly back to the, to America, I think you you look and see progression. I mean, they 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 pushed England. Who could potentially be World Cup winners and should have beat mm-hmm. them? Uh, they, they they had the, the biggest thing for the, Amer- the Americans is when they conceded the third goal against Dutch. At two one, they were back in the game to so concede that third goal so quickly. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, did the momentum straight back to them? If they had been two one, you'd have seen the very last, crazy last ten minutes and had a chance. But these are young kids. They're, yeah. they're they're very young. They're getting better and better and better. And you know, in four years' time. I don't see any reason why they can't go a stage further to the quarterfinals. They just need to just, they have all the possession, they have all the the the, the, uh, the effort and the athleticism, but one thing they don't have is in, in, in composure in front of goal. And once they get that composure in front of goal, you've only got to look at the top nations. They've got a clinical guy who can put the ball in the back of net. Mbappe, Harry Kane, uh, you know, you know, Messi, Neymar. That's the difference between, there's not much between these anymore. And if they can find that person, just have that little bit of composure, and they're going to go on the up. I wouldn't be surprised to make the quarterfinals in the next World Cup. But from a takeout out of 10, 7 out of 10 from the Americans okay. at this World All Cup. Right. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at Sealy underscore Nigel. Enjoy the match today, the one that you're going to live. And it's coming home, mate. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. All right, bud. Be good. <laughs> there you go. He was tweeting that out after the match. Going Super home. excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, easy with the expectations, Nigel. <laughs> up next, Andy Staples covers college football. Uh, he's going to be in studio. Uh, We'll get into the playoffs and bowl games with him coming up next. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. 
The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Follow the Money on VSEN. Welcome back. This is Follow the Money here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss along with Paulie Howard. This is really cool here early on a Monday. Andy Staples joins us in studio. He covers college football for the Athletic. His podcast is called The Andy Staples Show. He was in town for the Pac 12 title game on Friday night and hanging out for a couple more days. Thanks for doing this today, man. How oh, are you? Oh, my pleasure. No, my body's still on Eastern time, so this okay. is a perfectly normal morning for me. So you've been to the gym already today, had a couple of coffees? I hadn't been to the gym yet because the gyms and the hotels here, not 24 hours because they feel like you shouldn't be working out when you can be gambling. <laughs> right? <laughs> Want that money first, and then you can go. That's exactly right. Uh, overall, your impressions of the Pac-12 title game on Friday night, uh, and, and when did you tell or when did you think to yourself, you know what, I think USC might be in some trouble here. It wasn't when I thought they'd be in trouble. There was a there was a point where they got a turnover from Utah. I think they were up fourteen to three. They turned Utah over in Utah territory, and I was like, if if Utah doesn't get a stop here, this is going to get real dark. Yep. And Utah got the stop. Yep. And then scored, and it's like, ooh, now I don't. But once once you could tell that Caleb was hurt, and it was in the it's late in the second quarter, he starts taking sacks, which he doesn't take he doesn't give himself up. You know, normally he does the Houdini stuff and gets out of there. And so when he started taking sacks, it's like, okay, something's off. Something's wrong. And I see, being at the game, I didn't hear the broadcast. I didn't realize the broadcast missed the leg injury the entire time. Oh. And so I had fans tweeting at me like, he's just being dramatic. Blah, blah. And I'm like, you can't see this? Huh. You can't see that he's yeah. barely walking like, and still playing? But the, once that happened, there was no chance for USC because – that defense was not going to be able to get enough stops to to keep Utah from outscoring them. Yep. Does he still win the Heisman? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't see who else it would be. Okay. All right. Um, does he play against Tulane? That is a better question. I mean, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I don't. I don't know if I want to play him against Tulane. I because th- yeah, it's a hamstring. You know, those things are it's soft tissue. You don't really know it's better until it's actually better, and you don't really want to do any permanent damage or any further damage to it that could put next season in jeopardy because they could have a special season next year. Now what, what USC has to do, and it's not worrying about Caleb Williams is they have to figure out what they're going to do on defense and, and whether that's make a change at defensive coordinator. And I know a lot of the fans want to see yeah. Alex Grinch gone, but my thing, and I wrote this the, the other night, it's not just deciding if you want to change defensive coordinators, you have to change your entire philosophy. Lincoln Riley has a history. This USA, uh, USC team looked exactly like all his Oklahoma team yep. elite offense, terrible defense and I don't I'm not saying that lightly and I'm not trying to be flippant literally statistically terrible and all they need to be is average if they are average to slightly above average Mm -hmm. you can be a national title contender with that offense so he has to decide philosophically how do I want to practice how much do I want to hit how much do we want to tackle and and decide do we want to be like Alabama and Georgia and schools like that that actually compete for national titles? Yep. Because that's the only way. Great answer so far. And I'm with you because if they go up three scores, then school could be out. But do, do you think you make a change or does he keep them and point to maybe the previous uh, administration he, to do he, a good job? He can't job do that Rudy. because the numbers were too similar to yeah. Oklahoma. The that, tackling's atrocious. It's that's awful. A, and, oh. and, I mean, it, I felt like I was watching – like I remember going to the Bedlam game in, in 2018, the Kyler Mur- when Kyler Murray uh-huh. 
And then he's playing as Taylor Cornelius from Oklahoma State. Who remembers Corn Dog other than uh, other than <laughs> Oklahoma State alum Garth Brooks? Like, but they Oklahoma State had a two point conversion to win the game at the end. Th- those two teams should have been nowhere near one yeah, another. Yeah. But that defense yeah. was so bad. Yep. To his credit, they're not really even that good right now. USC offensively, they're amazing. Right. And it's his yeah. first. But year. it's all guys he got in the portal. Yeah. It's yeah. not really yeah. anybody he inherited. And that's the thing. Yeah. He's going to be able to recruit well. That, that's, yeah. And, and they should be able to get some good defenders out of the portal. But they're going to have, if they really want to get the best of the best, they're going to have to have that different philosophy because those guys are going to ask, what are you going to be like? Yeah. Do I, am I going to play on a defense that was like this again? Because I don't want to do that. That's yeah, going right. to make me look bad. Right. Did the committee get it right? The four teams in the playoff? Uh, yeah, because I, I think at the end of the day, you, you can't put Alabama in with that resume. And Ohio State at four, who else were you going to put in? There really wasn't much of a choice there. And TCU, you know, you can say, well, Alabama would, would be better against Michigan or Georgia than, than TCU would. But you do have, like, they do play the games for a reason. Mm-hmm. And TCU put together a, a really stacked resume. The Big 12 was very deep this year. So to go undefeated in the regular season in the Big 12 is incredibly hard. And I, so I think you do reward that. And look, you got one more year of this after this one, and then it's a 12-team playoff. And then, of course, we'll complain about whoever doesn't get the last at-large spot, but it won't be the same thing. No, it's not going to be the same thing. Do you believe them when they say it never came up, Ohio State-Michigan rematch? Is that my favorite? I, I do, actually, because you, you don't think about the matchup because you go one team at a time. And you also, they, they really, uh, having done the mock selection, conference doesn't come up either. It's mm. you try to go as blind as you can and not think about it in terms of conferences. You just think about it in terms of who they played. And so I think, I, I think it worked out better for television that way. I, I, cause think about this, think about a potential Ohio. And I realize this is a steep hill to climb for Ohio state, Sure, but an Ohio state Michigan game for the national title. People's heads would explode. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. The psychological damage that was done for Michigan winning two in a row. Imagine <laughs> they want they if fired. they win the national. They will a hundred percent. Yes, they will. Well, no, half the Ohio State fan base already wants Ryan Day <laughs> yeah, fired. Yeah. Like the other yeah. half would tip. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like, yeah. Yeah, "Okay, let's do uh, this." Uh, excellent, excellent. It was a weird season. Uh, certainly, uh, what happened with the South Carolina game, and then you lose Hooker. But who do you think is playing the what could have been scenario? Oh, it's definitely Tennessee. Well, Tennessee and Clemson. Clemson too. Clemson. The quarterback change. Well, if you Shane Beamer, South Carolina coach, he is the playoff angel of death. Yes, I mean, yes. Think about this: if Tennessee wins that game, they are in. Yep. Whether Hendon Hooker's healthy or not, even with Joe Milton at eleven and one, they're in the they're playoff in, in, in that yeah. scenario. And then if Clemson had gone to Cade Klubnick earlier in the season, yes. They only lost South Carolina by one. So they need one, one more decent possession. Mm-hmm. And they're in the playoff. Yes, they are. Yeah. They probably get smoked by Georgia, but that's a totally different it, offense. Right. With, exactly. It is. Oh. Right. And, and Clemson right. does have elite defensive linemen, which changes the math yeah. a little bit. And I, I just I think if you're Dabo Sweeney or if you're, if you're Josh Heupel, you're just like, how, how did I let the Gamecocks do yep. this to me? Yeah. What do you think of Saban making the rounds and bringing up point spread? Uh, ha. <laughs> I just think it's funny because in the week of the Texas A&M game, when they were 24 and a half point favorites, they, they have a guest media host on his, his radio show every Thursday night. And so I was the guest media host that Thursday night. So I'm sitting next to him at, at this sports bar in Tuscaloosa, and he is on this rant about we don't look at point spreads. And he's pissed off because he doesn't want people telling his players, you're 24 points better than this team when he's starting a backup quarterback and he knows they have really good players. And, but it's just so he goes off on this rant and then to hear him talking about, well, you know, if if we're talking about what Vegas would say, <laughs> they'd have us favored in all these games. I'm just like, oh, come on. But that said, it is his job to put his team in a position to try to win the national. And that was at that point, because they had not gotten to the SEC championship game and were not playing. That was all he could do. So I'm sure he was highly embarrassed that he had to do that and probably took a very hot shower afterward. Uh-huh. But I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had people chiming in today saying that they're lifelong Alabama fans for like 40 plus years. They couldn't believe he did it. I can. I yeah. see he did it in 2017. Yeah, he did. He was right, yeah. too. They right. won the national title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think, 
people out here want like an odds maker on the committee. That'll never ever happen. But should they incorporate they, like a set of pop? They, they already do. Look at the, how they rank. You you they you, you know they're using FPI or SP plus. They're using predictive power rankings. They are. So look at how they rank Texas. Look at Texas, how they rank yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, that's a good point. Look at where they rank Alabama. Yeah. Look at how they treat Ohio State. It, it's not. Everybody thinks it's because of brands. It's not. It's because of those power rankings that they're doing. They're just looking at it and going, well, why is this team so high and, and this team so low? And, and someone comes in and explains how the process works, and they go, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and, yeah. But so there, there may not be an odds maker on the committee, but there is an algorithm doing the work that of okay. an odds maker. They show, they show a picture of them all watching the game, and no one has notes or anything Nothing, in no. front of them. They got iPads. It's, it's all fancy. <laughs> okay, it's all, it's all updated. Uh, you know, another team that really screwed the pooch, it, looking back, it's now easy to say they weren't Oregon. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and, you know, the, the loss to Oregon State was, was just a killer. Yeah. The, the Georgia game might have even been able to be excused at that point. Right. But, yeah, the, the Oregon State loss just, I, I don't know. I think probably they would have had to beat Washington and Oregon State. I think so. I mean, it just—it's it, crazy because they were in the driver's seat for the Pac-12, and I think I think they could have beaten USC in that Pac-12 I title think so, game too. I, I, yeah. I think yeah. they'd have been fine there. Okay, we'll continue with one more segment. Andy Staples does a great job covering college football for the Athletic. His podcast is called the Andy Staples Show. He was out here in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 title game on Friday night. We have to get his uh, early read on the two playoff games. We'll throw the point spreads at you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Georgia, obviously, touchdown favorite. Michigan, bigger than that against TCU. And also some of these other numbers that moved in bowl games. Does he agree with the movement there? And what does he make of some of the matchups across the board? That's coming up here on Follow the Money. It's VSIN, the sports betting network. is Follow the Money on VSEN. Yeah, NC State quarterbacks in there. Almost getting ready for the World Cup. Soccer fans, lace up your cleats. World Cup in full swing. Perfect time to check out Bet Rivers. Log in every single match day. Receive a bet on behalf of Bet Rivers when you place a wager of at least $25. Great house specials. Great menu. 800 different ways to bet every match. Head to BetRivers.com or download the app today to get on the action at BetRivers. It's a whole new game. Andy Staples is in studio here bright and early on a Monday morning. He covers college football for The Athletic, and his podcast is called The Andy Staples Show. Your early reaction to the matchups that we're getting in the playoff then. All day yesterday, Georgia was sitting here at Circa as a six-point favorite against Ohio State. They're now pretty much six-and-a-half everywhere. Yeah, I, I think Georgia got punished. Shouldn't the one four spread be smaller or it should be bigger than the than the two three spread? But it's not because mm-hmm. and, and we knew this was going to happen. You know, it it was going to be one way or the other. Ohio State has the athletes to compete with Georgia on the perfect day. If Ohio State plays the way they did against Penn State or the way they did against Michigan, they're going to lose to Georgia, and it's and it's not going to be that close. But they do have the talent. And like Jackson Smith and Jigba, their their great receiver who's barely played this season because he's been injured, he comes back. That changes the dynamic of that game. I I, I think that could be a very fun game. And and I'm really interested because you have Ohio State fans who are, are not pleased with Ryan Day right now because of what happened in the Michigan game. I don't know that the the fan base is outside, you know, because everybody said, wow, how can you be mad at Ryan Day? He's been amazing. But Ohio State has a different standard than everybody else. Yeah. And so if Ohio State goes and gets smoked by Georgia, it will be just as psychologically damaging as getting smoked by Michigan because Ohio State expects mm-hmm. to compete with Georgia. It's not like like when Michigan lost to Georgia last year, it was like, oh well, we're you know, we're well, what are we supposed to do against those guys? Mm-hmm. Ohio State has those guys and it's supposed to be able to compete with those guys. Yep. Well yeah. said. Yep. Yep. Georgia's A game has been ridiculous. How they <laughs> shut down Tennessee and how they dismantled and embarrassed Oregon. But did you see anything? Was it just say, ah, it's a blowout? Or could you be a little bit concerned of what happened against LSU? Oh, not that concerned. I mean, they had backups in when, when LSU was scoring and uh, Jalen Carter picking up Jaden Daniels like a little baby, I, yeah. I think was <laughs> one of the more telling images of the, of the weekend. But he, it, it, Georgia, when they turn it on, is just so hard to stop. And that's 
Ohio State, I actually think Michigan is a tougher matchup for Georgia this year than Ohio State would be because Georgia can just maul Ohio State down the field with those. The, the, the line is good, but the way the tight ends block in the run game and then the, the way that they can use those tight ends by making it look like they're blocking in the run game and then leak them out and, and throw them the ball, like, it's devastating. Yeah. Defenses right now are not designed to deal with that. The, the player who I thought, and I thought Georgia was, was trying to get a little, little tape on him to scare whoever they play in the playoff, uh, was Darnell Washington, uh, the, their tight end number zero from out here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. He is uh, six foot seven, 270 pounds. He has like 3% body fat, and he's an incredible blocker. He has not been a, a, a huge producer in the pass game, but only because of Brock Bowers. If Brock Bowers wasn't on his team, we would do nothing but talk about Darnell Washington. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the, the hardest part if you're Ohio State is, how do you cover those guys? How do you deal with those guys when they're on the field at the same time in the run game and you're essentially facing you know, seven elite blockers? Good analysis. Uh, TCU, can they hang in with Michigan? And I guess what's more likely to happen? Two blowouts, because we typically get blowouts right. in the playoff, or for one of these dogs to actually be in a game late in the fourth quarter with a chance to I think win. both dogs can be in the game. Oh, they both I, I think it's game. possible. I, we may get a blowout because things happen, but... Right. I do think both underdogs are very capable of competing. And, and because Ohio, it's Ohio State playing Georgia, I actually think there's a chance Ohio State could win. It's a small chance, but they have a chance. TCU, I mean, the way they played all season, I, I can see them being very competitive against Michigan. They're going to hit big plays. Uh, Quentin Johnston is going to be the best receiver on the field, mm-hmm. and he's going to make plays. All year, teams have known they're going to him. And haven't been able to do much to stop him. Now, I like Michigan secondary a lot, but that guy at 6'3", at 215 pounds, who can run, who has great body control along the sidelines, I mean, there's not much you can do if you get into one-on-one matchup with him. Uh Okay, so then the team that they lost to, K-State, obviously a really good team. Yep. They get Bama now in the bowl game. You would think K-State is going to be super pumped for this game. Yep. To play a team like Bama on a neutral, will Bama feel the same way? I just want to see who the opt-outs are. That who plays for Bama? Like Will Anderson strikes me as the type who will play in a bowl game. Okay, like that. he just just personality-wise, that that seems to be how he goes. Uh, I'm a, I assume Bryce Young does too. I don't know if he does or not, but I I want to know about you know some of the other guys on Bama's team that are draft eligible. Are they going to play? If not, I, now it's it's interesting though because. If they don't, Alabama is still loaded in a way that the next person might be saying, well, I can solidify my starting job for next year, so I'm going to play. That's what, these things are almost impossible to guess in terms of motivation. Yeah. Like the, because it almost comes down to how they're feeling on that day, mm. and it, it, it can fluctuate wildly. And even Alabama, where I think Nick Saban's superpower is getting 18 to 22-year-olds to perform in a largely consistent manner, even he can't produce consistency in this environment because you don't know who's playing. You don't know how much they're going to care. Yeah. And I, but I think we can be reasonably certain K-State's going to care. I don't think like, uh, Felix and Adike Uzama, they're, they're really good pass rusher. Like I can't imagine him opting out here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would see, I would assume he's going to play and, and that their best players are going to play. So I would not, you know, the spreads appropriately low for this game. Yeah, and it was it opened six and a half, so people were already betting K State, and I think kind of makes a little bit of sense. The Iowa, Paul, you asked for this during the break. You guys want to take a <laughs> Let's guess? See it. You have it. You have the total. I, I have it right in front of me. The Iowa Kentucky total. They play thirty six and a half. Good guess. Thirty four. It's thirty two and a half. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. oh, That's incredible. Wow. Anybody want the over? Thirty two and a half. Yeah. yeah. What no. a perfect matchup for a bowl game. Good lord. <laughs> And, and we don't know if Levis is going to play. We don't know if... What do you think of his draft stock? Um, as a pro potential? Because scouts love the guy. He's got all the tools, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him in the oh. first round. Now, you want to wait until the second round and pick him? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay. But I just don't think... I think if you're a top 10 type quarterback, you better drag your college offense to big numbers. This is my problem with Daniel Jones, too. Yeah. 
Like, I, I don't have a problem if you want to pick Daniel Jones in the second round. His, his athleticism's off the chart. His arm's great. He seems very smart. But the fact that that wasn't an offense that you're like, I got to watch that offense when he played at Duke, <laughs> I, I don't want to see him in the yep. top 10. Yep. Yeah. What's your favorite, couple favorite bowl games outside of the big ones? Oh, that's, uh, I, I'm trying to think. I, I think Utah Penn State's damn good. Utah Penn State's a good one. Clemson, Tennessee. Clemson, Tennessee yeah. in the Orange yeah. Bowl. With the, with the orange teams is uh, is pretty good. And then the, the Cincinnati and Louisville pinstripe bowl where Cincinnati just took Louisville's coach. How about that? Scott Satterfield <laughs> headed to Cincy from Louisville, which, listen, Louisville was going to try to run off Scott Satterfield at the beginning of the season. He won too much, and then they couldn't. I think he pretty wisely figured out, let's get out of here because this mm-hmm. is going to end badly at some point. So I have this opportunity to go to this, this program where, think about this. Of the, the, the coaches who have coached at Cincinnati in the 2000s, one got the Michigan State job, one got the Tennessee job, uh, one got the Notre Dame job, the one that got fi- one got the Wisconsin job, and then the one that got fired got elected to the U.S. Senate. So you are going to do fine no matter what with this job. Yeah. Who coaches the two teams in the bowl game? I, I hope how, I hope he has uh, to coach the first half for Louisville and the second half for Cincinnati. How, how great would it be? Because I'm still going to coach Louisville. Just flip it. Oh, God. That'd be amazing. Uh, what yeah. do you think about Deion Sanders going to Colorado? I think about this. This is the most excited and the most anybody's talked about University of Colorado football in 25 years. Yeah. So maybe since the fifth down. Yes. Which was a lot yes. more than 25 years ago. Yeah. And I, I think. I think he's going to get a lot of players there. I th- and I think in, in the new Pac-12, in the USC and UCLA-list Pac-12, if you can put together a dynamite roster, you're winning eight, nine games, whether you, whether you coach it that well or not. And I, do th- I, mm-hmm. I look at the staff he put together at Jackson State, those guys coach those players very well. Like, you don't go from being a pretty average team. Like, they weren't necessarily a doormat in the SWAC, but they were very average mm-hmm. to below average. And went to just kicking the crap out of everybody. Yep. And yes, they got some really good players. But that's not all of it. He's, he's done a good job picking guys who can coach. So I'm very excited to see what he can do because I think he can win there. Yep, so do I. Wow. He's going to dominate that state. He'll do really well with transfers. And then other guys that he adds along the way from California and he other states. He got the number one player yeah. in the country to sign with Jackson State. Think about that. <laughs> he can get people to Colorado. <laughs> he'll get, yeah, he'll get him to go to Boulder yeah. for sure. Uh, it's follow the money here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Andy's going to stick around for one more segment. And also we'll run down our in-pocket. We'll recap what we did with our bets on Friday and tell you what we're betting today and for the week in-pocket plays coming up next year on Follow the Money. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The guy has an algorithm to determine the winner of any given college basketball game. Someone gives you 10,000 to 1 on anything. You take it. Take it. Take it. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you 3 to 1 odds. Nope. 5 to 1. Nope. 10 to 1. You're right. All right, we got an eclectic mix here. Uh, The parlay loss with the defensive touchdown prop. Carr with the pick six early. So that's a loser. The prop before the season would the Eagles win at least 10 games. Yes, cash is minus 120. Tried to win both bets on the Troy game, Coastal Carolina. How about that? The McCall plays and that crashed. Yeah. Opened four and a half, got to ten and a half, and got down to uh, seven, seven and a half. Uh, Troy buried them. Uh, the miracle win on Giants Commanders under 41 and a half. Nothing in overtime. That was fantastic. Harbaugh. Rubs my nose in it late. He loves doing that. I know. You could t- How about Brom kicking the field goal a couple times? He made a two-score game, a two-score game. I know. Uh, Michigan gets the uh, cover. Air Force to win the Mountain West at 4-1, to one, no good. And there's your big boy, baby, in August, Troy to win the Sun Belt. Good job out of you. At 14-1. to one, And they had a fantastic se- season, and that's a winner. And added, um, added Cincinnati against the Browns. Little revenge angle coming up. And pizza money on Evans to score the first touchdown tonight, Monday Night Football, 7-1. to Yeah, great job with Troy. That was back in the summertime. I tailed you on that. Um, so that was a nice one to win. You were all over, Troy. Great. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Lakers, they are a bet on team right now. Had them 8.5 against the Bucks. They won it outright. I had them again yesterday against the Wizards. They are Anthony Davis had 55 yesterday for yeah. those who missed it. Yeah. He's playing his best basketball in a long, long time. I, you know what? I'm going to tap out on teasers this, this year. I'm, I think I'm done. The Ravens can't cover their side against the Broncos. They scored 10 points, so that's another losing teaser. Uh, Serbia-Switzerland on Friday was over 2.5. That was the best match of the entire World Cup. Yeah. Mountain West Conference, I took a shot on Wyoming. I had them at 40-1. to 1. No good. And uh, will the Vikings win at least 10 games or more this year? Plus 140. That's a winner after yesterday's action. And uh, as for tonight, there is one bet that I like. It's a prop. It's Chris Godwin. We talked about this earlier in the show today. I like him to go over 67 and a half receiving yards. Too bad Serbia's out. Nigel's uh, long shot future. They also had a 3-1 lead against, was it Cameroon? And they blew that too? Yeah, push. They played some exciting soccer. In pocket presented by Bet Rivers. Your hometown book. Check out their daily specials posted afternoon Eastern at BetRivers.com. Andy Staples, kind enough to stick around. Okay, my friend. So a lot has happened here since the last time we talked. So now, you, you said this earlier, we won't have this now. So yeah. we go to 12 teams. Oh, yeah. Some people are already pointing out, like your colleague Stuart Mandela, about there could, there's a flaw here about, hey, look at this. Clemson would play Ohio State. Michigan would play Bama. What's the about- flaw in that? That sounds like something I'd love to see on my TV. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that get, bad? <laughs> yeah, but you're looking at the... The automatic bid if you win the conference. Yep. Here he's saying, "My God, look at look at what the path would be here." But uh, what do you think now with the at large still involved and how much conference title games would mean so much with the buy on the? Well, line? they did this. It, you had the, the title of this show is what? Follow the money. Okay, let's follow some money. Four hundred fifty million. Uh, well, let's follow some more money though. Okay. The the top four seeds must be conference champions. Why is that? Because they they believe conference championships are sacred. Or because they would like to juice the stakes of their conference title games, which are very lucrative television properties. Yeah. So all of a sudden, let's say Georgia LSU this weekend. Georgia's not playing for any anything other than the trophy this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Georgia's playing for a bye in two years, which is pretty important because I don't think you want to have to win four games to win this thing. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't. I don't know. 
when the first four-game winner who makes it through that gauntlet is going to happen. But I'm, I imagine it'll take a while. Good point. I think, I think you want to win three games. So that is going to be pretty critical. So all of a sudden, the SEC championship game is worth more, worth more. The Big 12 championship game is worth more because it's a win-and-in situation for both teams. You know, the, the Pac-12 championship game, same thing, win-and-in for both teams. USC would have been playing for a bye as well in this, in this game. Utah was playing to get in and to knock somebody else out probably. So, yeah. That's that's what's going to make that very interesting. And then you know, the the way it's deliberately misseeded will create some some drama. Like you could have a monster at number 5. Interesting. That the, the number 4 teams sitting there with their bye and they're going to be like, "Oh god, <laughs> we don't want to see them." Or if you don't have a monster at number 5, if there's not a a team that's you know, the second best team in a conference that might be the second best team in the country, if there's not one of those and it's a legit number five, well, guess what? Whoever finishes 12 can probably beat that team. And they don't have to play one in the second round. Interesting. They play four in the second round. And if 12 can beat five, 12 can probably beat four. Hmm. There's your Cinderella. Now, that's going to make for a, a kind of a blowout probably in the semi, but look yeah. at what happened on the way there. You, had, you were entertained on the way there. Yeah. And I think that's, what, that's the part a lot of people miss is this is an entertainment product. They are trying to stage a series of television shows that people want to watch. They're not trying to crown the most deserving national champion. What is that anyway? And, and what's interesting is you will probably get the most deserving team probably. winning because it is a freaking gauntlet yes, it it is. to get through that. Yep. And by the way, like it's so the history here, it's just it's kind of bad luck because so many games have been blowouts, but also they're like played on New Year's Eve a bunch of times. Yeah. So that's like one of the worst days of the entire year to actually put sporting events on. Yes. Yes. I think probably they will work the calendar to have the semis on New Year's Day. And then you'll have the the opening round games be Saturday type games. That Quarter makes final games sense. will be Saturday games. Yeah. Or or one game on Friday night as your appetizer and then three okay. on a Saturday. Well, the other thing too, and you travel and you're all and this is what you do. Can you imagine if like like Kansas State Oklahoma State, Old Miss, they get that that playoff game on a Hell campus yeah. site that first great. round. Oh, it's pandemonium. Well, and for those towns, I live in one of those towns. Yeah, I true. live in Gainesville, Florida. Like if you have an if you suddenly added another home game to Florida's schedule, the the businesses in oh. town, the hotels, the restaurants, like that their bottom line changes considerably. So it's a it's a boon for for a place yeah. like that. I saw a breakdown that um I think if you go back to the year two thousand if we would have had a 12-team playoff every single year, 66 different teams would have made the playoff. And how much fun is that? And, and that is why they're doing it. I, I think that's the other thing people don't grasp is this will make the sport even more popular. Yeah. Because it allows more people to feel part of it. It allows them to be excited about their teams later in the season. And when their team does make a playoff run, like, no, Alabama just getting in. Is a, it's going to be just... It, it's similar to the basketball tournament or similar to, to the NFL. Like, if you have an NFL team that makes the playoff ever, I go back to, the, like, the, the Tony Dungy era Bucks. Mm -hmm. Like, it got to where just making the playoff wasn't good enough. Yep. And they, they ended up making a change. That, I mean, Dungy probably would have won that Super Bowl, too, just like Gruden. But it, it'll expectations will change. But for those teams that don't ever have a chance to even sniff this, when they make that playoff once out of every 20 years – it's going to be huge. Yeah, oh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Wisconsin fan, but I'm also realistic about it. I, they can't win a national title. Well, they would have made the playoff a bunch. They would have been in the that's playoff true. nine times. Yeah. Like, for somebody like yeah. me, that's incredible. Yep. And, oh, listen, Wisconsin, don't, don't assume they can't compete for the national title yeah. because the fact that Luke Fickle went there, that means he popped the hood on that program and he's like, I can do something here. He likes what he sees. And, and he helped build Ohio State into what it is. Yeah. So let's not forget Appreciate. that. That's a little bit of uh, my negative side coming out, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everybody's like that a little sure. bit. Sure. Uh, you've been in town. Now, we've talked to you about, like, eating excursions before. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you like to get down. Anything crazy in the three or four days you've been here so Nothing far? Nothing too no? crazy. Now, we, we did have to go to Nacho Daddy on Saturday night because we had to pay off a bet from the Pac-12 championship game. Uh -huh. my, my podcast co-host, Ari Wasserman, who's actually going to be on a show on VEASAN later today, uh, he had USC, I had Utah. And so he had to take a shot with a scorpion in it. Now, Ari grew up in Scottsdale. 
So Scorpion's a very real threat to your daily existence in Scottsdale. Like you have to shake out your shoes to make sure there's not a scorpion there. So the idea of swallowing a scorpion, though it is pickled in tequila, freaked him out. Yes. And so I was enjoying this. I spent uh, 24 hours just prepping him. Like just wait till that little stinger slides down your throat. And and he was he was not in. I got there. I was like, you know what? I feel bad. I've tortured this man. I'm going to show him how it's done. I'm going to take one just, just wow. to show him it's possible. You know, thankfully, they actually use pretty good tequila for it. Okay. So it just slides right down. No, you don't even know. Wasn't it bad? Now, I, I got a little one. He got a big, a huge big scorpion. <laughs> I did not pay the extra for him no. to get the bigger scorpion. I, I would have if I'd have realized that was a possibility. <laughs> but, but no, that, so we did that. And then I had a, a pile of nachos with, uh, with chicken tinga all over them. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was spectacular. Yeah. We, we told you good. that uh, berries would be really good here. You're like, I'll, oh, take, yeah. I'll take two tomahawks. <sighs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I have eaten a 64-ounce steak in one sitting. Oh, and, oh man. And had appetizers and dessert. And no, and wow. Yeah. No. So, oh, yeah. That I like machine. to eat, are you, are you fast, or is it just you'll take your time and go? I'm to, pretty fast. Are you? Yeah. I just love, well, I like the taste so much. So it's, yeah. it's, 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 not even, it's not even a strategy. I just like it. <laughs> yeah, no strategy. My God. Uh, that was great. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, today. my pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. Anytime. You can, you can follow Andy on Twitter. He is at Andy underscore Staples. Get his podcast. Subscribe. Listen to it. It's called The Andy Staples Show and follow him at The Athletic. Um, he writes and covers college football there. Great appearance today on the program. Enjoy the rest of the time out here in Las Vegas. Thank you. That'll do it Thank for you. us here. If you missed any of our show, go search Follow the Money and you'll find your podcast there. Good luck betting tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.